0: Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikucci and you are listening to Jazz is Travel. Hello everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here welcoming you to Jazz is Travel. This is a podcast series featuring conversations with or about groundbreaking and innovative artists about multicultural projects, folk music traditions of various parts of the world and backgrounds, or stories that need to be shared and much more. Our guest today is Los Angeles-based saxophonist, composer, multi-instrumentalist, Patrick Shiroishi, whose forthcoming solo album, Hidemi, is not only a fascinating work of expressive, creative, avant-garde music and improvisation, but also aims to represent the Japanese-American experience, past, present, and future. For example, one of the major starting points for him, working on this record and some of his previous stuff, was research he conducted on Japanese-American concentration camps, a dark page in American history that is just not talked about nearly enough and barely taught in schools. But there'll also be more topics covered in our conversation, including a chat about his formative years, the creative potential of working on solo projects such as this, and some of the stories behind some of the tracks on Hidemi. Without further ado, fire up on an Audiotini and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is Patrick Shiroishi. <laughs> Hello Patrick, welcome to Jazz's Travel. Hey, how's
1: it going? Thanks for having me.
0: It's a real pleasure to have you. And, uh, you know, the way I like to start off these, uh, these conversations is just with a simple icebreaker question. What part of the world <laughs> are you speaking from right now?
1: So I am here in uh, Los Angeles. Right. Los Angeles is where you're based, right? Yes, I'm based. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely home. <laughs> and so, Patrick, what's the weather like outside your window? Um, it's actually kind of overcast today. Okay. But, um, it's been getting a little bit cooler, which is nice. We'll be
0: focusing on your, uh, forthcoming album, Hidemi, uh, which yes. will be out on October 29th via American Dreams. I've read about it. I listened to it. I thought it was fascinating. There's a, there's a very interesting concept behind it that I really want to, Talk about. Uh, but this is kind of a solo saxophone record. There's lots of uh, improvisation, lots of uh, avant garde experimentation, expressive mm-hmm. playing, and all sorts of fun overdubs and stuff that we'll also maybe talk about in a bit. But do you find it liberating to create music like this and on your own?
1: I don't know if it's liberating, but it's definitely an, a necessity. You know, I think music helps me process things and, you know, um, get feelings out that, you know, otherwise I probably would just bottle up, you know? Um, so it's a great, you know, medium and I'm super grateful to be able to play saxophone and, and be able to, you know, even play live for, for that matter.
0: Well, let's talk about that, actually, because this is the first time we talk. So I'm mm-hmm. very I'm always very curious to find out how people got started on their instrument. H- how did you get started on the saxophone? I mean, uh, what do you think it was that drew you to this particular instrument?
1: <laughs> well, I started in fifth grade. We had like the middle school band, you know, All oh, right. and yeah. I chose it just because I thought it just looked absolutely super cool. You know, you mean like super... the,
0: phys- the 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 shape of it and
1: uh... the shape the, there's so many buttons. It was like nice and big and shiny. I was like, yo, this is it.
0: <laughs> so was it before you Not actually heard anything? Yeah, yeah,
1: Um I, I listened to a lot of my mom would play a lot of jazz in, in the car. She played a lot of classical music and, and jazz whenever she'd pick us up uh, from school or take us to, you know, grocery shopping or anything like that. So I definitely heard it. I don't know if I was a conscious. I mean, maybe by then um but it was definitely because of the physical look of it and thankfully yeah. i chose the right one you know
0: <laughs> right yeah 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 but do you remember uh, what what kind of music your 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 mother would play or anything anything stand out
1: um i mean it was mostly just whatever was on the radio you know we had a jazz station on the radio and a classical station on the radio i think i didn't start investigating music on my own until later on in middle school but that was more like punk music and like pop music and hip hop, whatever I was able to find on the radio. And then it wasn't until high school and college where, you know, we would go to venues like all age venues, um, like the spell, the smell and purse space here, um, that would do like weird bands and weird music. And that really changed my listening and, you know, even my mind. Um, and then in college, I really, went down the rabbit hole of you know experimental jazz and i heard john zorn for the first time and then that really opened the gates and you know just hearing all these other improvisers on on the east coast and in europe and yeah it was a it was a great time a lot of listening for sure
0: you mentioned john zorn there and uh that whole kind of uh, side of creative music was did improvisation come natural to you was it something that you always felt like you could do
1: You know, I, I, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think I, coming out of like a lot of band stuff, um, everything was composed, you know? So it's more of like coming up with weird, you know, parts and, um, different harmonies and everything. And I was really into like this really (laughs) subgenre of brutal prog, which is like progressive music, but like really intense, um, complex changes and, and numbers. Um and time signatures and so for me it was more of creating really dense um parts um, that wouldn't necessarily repeat so many times before moving on to another section um, and that was really enjoyable for me and I think you know improv is the complete opposite and yeah. in a way it was like very liberating to be able to do that and I really enjoy I, I think I do mostly improv uh, these days, um, but I'm still playing a couple bands and it's still fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talk we're going to be talking about uh, uh, solo saxophone work, but you playing all sorts of ensembles. Yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> yeah. interesting stuff, you know, but but just going back to that and how you kind of uh, then eventually turn to improvisation. Do you think that something changed, you know, within you? Was it a a spiritual thing? Was it, you know, finding out more about yourself and your relationship with your instrument?
1: I think it was definitely the relationship with the instrument. Um, And even when I first started to improvise, I know that there was a huge change to where I am now. Um, I think at the beginning, coming from that uh, rock, you know, progressive rock background, I would always be trying to fill the space, you know, like playing lots of notes, trying to make as much noise as possible. Um, and it wasn't until many years later, I was like, I don't have to fill all the space, you know, it was uncomfortable for me, but you know, to, to be able to take a step back and listen. And, and I'm, I'm really lucky in the sense that I've been able to collaborate with so many other musicians here in LA and across, you know, the States and everything that, um, They've definitely all taught me a lot playing with them, you know. Sure, and then in a project
0: like this, and you talked about your relationship with your instrument. What's that like when you're working on something like uh, Hidemi? Because, um, because of course, you know it's it's you, uh, but but do you then is it is that all cliche true then that your saxophone so, sort of becomes an extension of yourself?
1: <laughs> I really, I truly think so, man. Yeah, I truly think so. Um, I feel you know I've, I've played. Well, I play several other instruments and and I dabble in stuff, but I think the saxophone is the best, you know, way that I can express myself other than my voice, mm. you know. Yeah. And um, I there love is something all of them, human
0: but... about uh, about uh, this the way the saxophone can sound, especially in, a, in in a record like yours.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, I I really think so. Yeah.
0: And so speaking about the uh, the concept of this album, Hidemi, I read that it was inspired by the concentration camps that Japanese-Americans had to go through. Uh, is that right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with everything that's happening in the world, it's, and you know, especially in the States, these past, you know, four years, five years. Um, there's been a lot of, um, injustices that's been happening. And that's definitely been eye opening. you know, um, growing up and, you know, being a minority. I didn't learn that much in high school, you know, growing up about, you know, what happened to Native Americans or, you know, um, the internment camps that the Japanese Americans had to go through. There was like one paragraph in that, in, in my history book, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's important for me at this point to like, make sure that I could, you know, tell the story of my grandparents that were, were in there and, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if someone hasn't heard about it before you know and they listen to this record or you know they'll take you know five ten minutes to kind of dig in and see if you know maybe they'll learn something you know
0: so if it's not taught in school like you said how did you find out about it
1: well i tried to ask my grandmother when she was alive and she she spent time there um she actually met my grandfather which his name is patrick hidemi She so she's the records named after him and he's okay. on the cover Um, but she kind of just shut down and, and didn't talk to me. And so I never asked her again, but I, you know, I did my own personal research. You know, there's a, there's a great museum in LA, um, that I visited several times. And, you know, I've definitely connected with other Japanese Americans and, and heard their stories. Um, a great artist, uh, Rob Sato, who has done art for me, um, We've, we've had like an in-depth conversation and he's actually taught me a lot too. And yeah, it's been, it's been nice connecting with people on that kind of level, you know? Um, there have been a lot of, there's like a couple YouTube sites that are documenting, you know, the, the elders that were, that are still alive that spend time there and, you know, are, are open to speak about it. Um, there's a lot of great organizations on the, on the website um or sorry on the website on the internet and like instagram uh so one is called like densho which does a really great job um there's there's just a lot of of people doing you know important work um and and posting about it and it's been it's been easy to to seek it out you know if if you want to find it it's definitely there and
0: The track you are hearing just now is titled Without the Threat of Punishment, There is No Joy in Flight. It is one of the tracks from his forthcoming new album, Hidemi, which will be released on October 29th via American Dreams. This is a follow-up to his previous full-length dissension, which was heavily focused on the experience of being inside. Japanese American concentration camps. But this new album is a solo multi-layered woodwind journey that is more on the personal experience of his grandfather who appears on its cover after getting out. Here is the second part of our interview with Patrick Shiroishi. create that music then do you go into the studio or do you begin working on it with all those that research in your head is it almost like you're you're inhabiting a space in that in that moment of creation
1: I mean I think at this point it's really just ingrained in me you know um I got to visit so my my grandparents on my father's side they were kept at a tule lake um which is in between um Oregon and uh, Washington and so in between a tour I was actually able to visit the site you know and I got to stand on it kind of look at it um, and it's been something that I've gotten to talk to uh, my parents about and my aunt um, and I think at this point it's I think it's very apparent in, in the way I play and other records that I make these days you know yeah.
0: sure I mean but I, I looking at the uh some of the titles of the tracks you know i'm, I'm seeing jellyfish in the sky uh, beachside lonely hearts there's something about those titles even before you begin to to, to listen to the music where you it's almost like you, you you're you suggesting to the listener specific
1: imageries or moods um i i think so i'm to be honest i'm like really awful with words okay. <laughs> so coming up with titles and stuff is really difficult for me but um yeah, those were, I mean, jellyfish in the sky was taken from, it was actually this thing where the Japanese, uh, during World War II, they filled these balloons uh-huh. and they set them off and they were attached to bombs and they were, wow. they thought of this way where the wind would carry the balloons. Um, and then the bombs would potentially reach the states here. Okay. I think like only like two or three of them actually made it but that was like go crazy like that that's an insane thing to think about you know and execute
0: <laughs> um yeah. so i mean but, is there yeah. is
1: there a story
0: behind each of these tracks because now i'm totally intrigued i mean for example to kill a <laughs> wind-up bird you know i'm uh, it seems like a, a surreal image imagery but is there a real story behind it
1: not for all of them i mean for that one okay. um my aunt's favorite, you know, book is To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. And <laughs> my favorite author um is uh Murakami. Right. Uh, yeah. And he has this book called The Wind-Up Bird Chronicles. And I was really heavy into reading all his work. And I really was just intrigued by that one. And uh I kind of just thought, oh, that'd be kind of nice to combine those two and give like a little nod to my aunt and, and to myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, but it's a fascinating thing. I mean, uh, so um, just just returning to, I guess, uh, influences. Obviously, I also read that with this album and other projects that you do. You kind of is it is it fair to say that you f- do feel the need to represent the the uh, the Asian American or the Japanese American experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know I've had a conversation with um, a couple people and. They were like, yeah, not everyone still, you know, knows about that or that that happened, you know, and that that kind of blows my mind. And so I don't know if it was like I thought, like I want to set on this mission to like talk about it. But I definitely do want to bring attention to that. And, you know, last year there was um, or this year there was that awful, you know, there was a lot of um, hate crimes that were geared towards um, Asian Americans because of, you know, what Trump was saying about, you know, the 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 China virus this, and all this yeah, bullshit, you know, and food. people were really, you know, getting egged on by him and, you know, there's awful stuff for happening to, you know, old, old people, old Asian people. And, you know, there's videos of like, you know, random people just coming up and like punching them in the face and like, they're, you know, they're old. Like, and what does that do? You know, it does absolutely nothing. Um and so that that was really an awful time, I think. Um, and I think just in the culture, and you know, I'm I'm only speaking for um, Japanese culture, but there isn't really emphasis on speaking out. You know, yeah, it's more of a keeping things inside and you know following the rules and working hard and doing a good job. And- oh, really?
0: Do do you think that uh, that kind of behavior doesn't really help
1: i mean i think i i think it can go both ways you know um mm. i think that can in s- certain circumstances you know i think that can definitely work um but i think and maybe this is because you know on my desk i'm a i'm like a fourth generation or sorry fifth generation you know that's been here but you know fuck that you know if something is wrong or if something bad is happening to you I think you should speak out, you know, um, yeah. it's yeah. not fair. It's not right. And, you know, I think, yeah, you, you should speak out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, um, in in your case too, you, you also use music as a way to speak out. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it's, do you believe in, in the effectiveness of, uh, of music and speaking out?
1: You know, I, I, I do. And it's, (laughs) it's one of the few medium, mediums, a few mediums that I have to, to kind of do that. And so, Hmm. yeah, I don't know any other way. It's, it's, you know, talking, social media talking and, you know, playing music.
0: I'm thinking about like, uh, the, the, the scene and the, the music scene in Japan, especially when it comes to creative music. And it seems to be really fascinating, uh, right now. Uh, I was actually speaking with, uh, Satoko Fuji, uh, yes, a, a, a few weeks ago, uh, incredible, musician. Long ago. incredible musician. Yeah. So, I mean, do you keep, do you keep up with, with that scene over there and, uh, w- what happens
1: there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely try my best, you know, and actually, before um, before everything got locked down, um, I had like a two week tour in Japan. Oh wow! Um, that I was scheduled to do, and you know, I hit up a lot of people that I didn't know. I just only heard their music or their names, and they were all super sweet. And they're like, "Yeah, I'll set something up for you." And like, "Yeah, you could sleep on my couch." Um, and it was super nice. And I was really excited just because I've never really played uh, a show in Japan. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes but what was um, it
0: like then to i mean what's it like for you to be in japan what do you feel like
1: i mean at this point it it feels like a second home you know um so my mother was born um, in japan and then she came over here and when we were younger um i mean still all of her family lives in japan and so we would go over there for the summers for like a month you know we would every summer when we we're younger we'd go over there spend a month of time there you know eat really get immersed i went to school a couple times with my cousin you know um go to different places um and it was really it's really nice it's something that i I hope to i can do with you know my own children just because the experience was just yeah awesome you know yeah yeah yeah
0: so returning to the record uh i also wanted to ask you about the way in which it kind of came to life because when uh, you listen to it it's great to kind of hear all these overdubs and kind of different things that i guess were done in post how do you do that i mean it, it's almost like a, an approach that a sculptor would have to me
1: yeah i don't know whether yeah
0: would that be fair a fair kind of a comparison to make
1: i think it was yeah i think so um I mean, I did – so, I did all of the the music and half of the writing, I would say, within, like, a two-day span. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple uh, pieces that I kind of already had, like, the rhythm um, kind of drawn out. For, like, example, the Tully Lake, like, yesterday, um, I definitely wrote out, you know, what the Altos would be doing ahead of time and then kind of having to go in there. And I tried – everything was recorded maybe like one or two takes because I wanted it to have like that raw kind of urgency, you know? Um, sure. But I had that. And then a couple of the other pieces, I kind of had like an idea and I kind of tried to figure it out. It was, <laughs> it was kind of really DIY <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in the sense of, you know, having this idea and really just going with like a first instinct kind of thing and, and just putting it to a, uh, recording it you know and then all right that's fine now what can i do to complement that you know like all right now i could kind of have like a lead melody you know and kind of sculpting it like you said like a sculptor um and it was it was really fun it was definitely a little bit stressful because i only had the space for a couple of days but yeah, I'm. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Uh,
0: Patrick, it's been it's been great chatting with you. Time just kind of flew uh, talking about uh, yeah. Hidemi and all of the those other things. Uh, what's just just kind of to end it a little bit and uh, what's what's the plan now? I mean, uh, w- what's happening with you right now? What any any plans that you'd like to share with us?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm working on um, or I've started my next solo record, um, which is going to be. Um, Geared back again towards the saxophone through like guitar pedals. Um, mm. and a little more, bit more in that direction. And I'm going to be actually going to New York in a couple of weeks, uh, to do a couple of recording sessions with, uh, some friends and heroes. So that'll be really fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, just, uh, playing as much as I, as I can. And, you know, people yeah. allow me to. <laughs>
0: Well, that's really interesting what you're doing with the guitar pedals uh, it immediately brings a, a a word to my mind experimentation yeah is that is that important for you
1: it is it is you know i think there's so much that has already been done and expressed with the horn hmm. i want to do my best to try and push it as well you know I don't know if you know I'll do anything that anyone will remember in you know 10 20 years or, or whatnot but I that's definitely something that is in my mind. You know, what can I do different? What can I? How can I make like a different sound? Or you know, uh, and and it's fun for me, for mm-hmm. sure. So
0: it's 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 kind of kind of hard to be to be
1: different, right? I,
0: it, maybe it, is it even hard to realize that you're being different sometimes?
1: Uh, I'm I I, I want to say yeah. You know, I think I'm still searching for like my own voice. You know. Mm -hmm. um i think the ultimate goal is you know to be able to play and you know within a couple of seconds being able to be like oh you know that's this guy Uh you know i think coltrane has that you know zorn obviously has that paul desmond to me has that you know just something that's just recognizable i think that is yeah it's an incredible thing
0: well patrick thanks for joining us it's been a pleasure chatting with you thanks so much matt I hope you enjoyed our eye-opening conversation with Patrick Shiroishi, whose new album, Hidemi, will be released on October 21st via American Dream, Join me again next week for more globe-trotting conversations on a new episode of Jazz Is Travel. In the meantime, why not check out more of our content on jazzis.com? That's our regularly updated website with lots of great content for both the jazz newbies and aficionados, including new music roundups, interviews, reviews, news, and much more. And of course, you get even more when you subscribe. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.